It's Friday, July 14th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, considering teacher pay in Arkansas. Are not going to enjoy the camaraderie they deserve because they're making the same thing somebody told 30 years to make. And if you think that's not true, you're not dealing with human nature as we know it. Plus, contemplating the stories of the Arkansas Delta. I just, I just believe that um, we have a very unique story to tell, and I want to be a champion in helping my community to tell that story better. We share another conversation from the KUAF Listening Lab, and the band Dial Up is taking their very '90s sound to the iconic Canes Ballroom. We'd love a shot. We haven't done much in Tulsa, but, you know, if you stick with us, we'll grind it out and we'll work it and we'll build this thing into a really big thing like we have in Fayetteville. First, the news from NPR. Walton Arts Center presents the 21st annual Art of Wine Uncorked Wine Tasting, Friday, July 21st. This lively event features hundreds of wines, champagne, beer, spirits, small bites, and desserts. And proceeds benefit arts education programs. Tickets available at waltonartscenter.org or 443-5600. It is Friday, July 14th, 2023. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. This is your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm on the phone with my good friend, Michael Tilley, in his Fort Smith office. We're going to look at some of the things that happened this week. First of all, Michael, how has your week been? It's It's uh, been well up until you said July 14th, and I was like, really? Gosh, we're already through July almost. But... Okay, here we go. I promise you that is the truth. We're going to we're going to just hit some things in rapid succession today starting with a new sort of investment fund that the University of Arkansas Fort Smith announced this week. What are the details? Well, uh, it's an interesting concept that's um and to be honest with you, I've, I um am proud they're doing it, but I would have told you something like this already existed at the university, but it, it has not. So it's a good thing, but the Center for Economic Development um, which is a wing of the University of Arkansas Fort Smith and, and the University of Arkansas at Fort Smith Foundation have partnered to generate just under 200000 They're going to use it as a seed fund to help locally owned startups. They don't have the details out yet, which um, you know, I know sometimes I talk about uh, in public entities that aren't transparent enough. Well, this is almost the opposite. They're so transparent that They're wanting to work with – they're wanting to bring together kind of an advisory council of local folks who will kind of develop the process, help them establish this advisory board, come up with kind of the process, how we fund folks, how much, that kind of thing. So it's a good open uh, process there, Um, and, you know, it'll hopefully, as as they – as some of the University of Arkansas Fort Smith officials talked about, you know, there aren't a lot of these angel investor funds like you would see out in Silicon Valley or in Austin, Texas, or elsewhere. But so they want to try to get uh, try to get it started here. Um, hopefully, they can uh, have a few early successes out of this build up this add more to the fund. Um, they're going to come up with the, the the concept is to come up with a is a five year plan that you know creates some financial tools, some equity investment tools um, to help young folks, maybe old folks like me, 
not particularly me, but old folks in my demographic get a, you know get a new idea off the ground. Seed, starting with the seed funding of about $200,000, I imagine also part of that plan is to grow that, that amount. I would be surprised if that's not yeah. a part of the plan, yes, yes sir. All right. Uh, speaking of planning, Mercy Fort Smith has been planning for a while. Now ground is broken to uh, have a clinic, a new clinic in Greenwood that's going to really sort of expand the medical uh, health opportunities in that community. Yeah, it's about an $8 million facility. They have a clinic. Uh, Mercy has a clinic in, in Greenwood now, but this will um, add a lot more space, um, add more doctors, add more nurses, add more services. Um, I don't have to – anyone that's familiar with the Fort Smith Metro and Greenwood understands that Greenwood is a booming community here south of Fort Smith, south and, and east somewhat. And so um, this is obviously – it's a a welcome move by the community, and it's kind of a, I would think, a no-brainer move by Mercy Clinic. I mean, it's a growing market, um, and it's, you know, it's part of, I know sometimes maybe um, in a community we think about things that aren't right or things we'd like to do better, but one of the things Fort Smith Metro does have going for is with both Mercy and Baptist, they have a good clinic network. There's a good healthcare network here. Um, I'm sure they struggle with recruiting doctors and nurses and talent, but in terms of facilities and access, um, it's a it's a positive for the region, and this will just help, um, hopefully, help uh, enhance that. The Fort Smith School Board is back at capacity. We got a new member. Yep, Susan Kraft. Um, I think anyone that's familiar with goings on in Fort Smith will know Susan. She has worked for the Fort Smith Chamber of Commerce before. She is. Um, now at the um, uh, has a position at the University of Arkansas uh, at Fort Smith, um, but she was voted on by the Board of Education. Uh, Dee Blackwell resigned, citing family health challenges. She resigned back in middle of June, and so the board put out uh, you know requests for people to apply. There were twelve applicants and. Uh, on uh, Tuesday night, or excuse me, on Wednesday night, the board went through a process and they all were kind of asked to list their top three votes. And it just a majority of the board, uh, Susan Kraft was in their top three. No one else ranked so high. So it was, um, it seemed like a smooth and fast process. So she will fill out uh, Ms. Blackwell's term. She can also uh, succeed herself uh, in, in school, in the next round of school elections. So, um, she will, she, she's going to hit the ground running. There's an investigation into the peak center. Um, there's the learns act, (laughs) you know, so she's, um, you know, she'll do well, but I hope it's not one of those things, you know, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Right. And those next school elections aren't that far away, like less than a year. Right. March, I believe. Don't, don't ask me the day, but I think it's sometime in March. I think there is, I don't know if it's a truism, but there is this sort of more often than not-ism in raising money that if you're trying to raise a lot of money for an entity, momentum is a big player. And certainly the U.S. Marshals Museum, I think, can understand that. We've well documented in our conversations over the years how long it took to get this off the ground. Now it's open for less than two weeks, and they've got another significant gift. Yeah, Cynthia Coughlin, um, she was the, um, she's a very accomplished business person and, and 
investment person in her own right. She was married to Tom Cogley, who's former vice chairman of Walmart, Inc. Um, she was uh, uh, named uh, replaced on the U.S. Marshals Museum Foundation Board um, several months ago. It might, it might have been last year. I apologize for not having that tip of my tongue, but uh, she's been a supporter. She lives there in northwest Arkansas, but recently donated 500000 to the museum, and it'll support their modern Marshalls Gallery um, at the museum, which, as you noted, is now open. And so uh, I checked. We don't have this in the story. We'll probably have an update in the next few weeks on, tra- on the visitor traffic and that kind of thing. But the museum is now short just $2 million, um, of its of this initial fundraising goal to get the you know museum built and open. I'm sure they'll have fundraising uh, goals after that, but they're short two million. Which you and I can remember, Kyle, the days they were trying to get twenty million. Right. You know they were still way off the mark. So two million is is uh, that's a that's much better number for them to be pursuing. Absolutely. And finally, uh, you can go to talkbusiness.net and read about Tim Allen, who is receiving this year's Jack White Award. Who is Tim Allen? What is the award? Well, Tim Allen, he's the um, Fort Smith Regional Chamber of Commerce president and CEO. Um, Jack White, is um, he uh, was a longtime leader in, in the Fort Smith community. He was the board chairman and on the executive committee uh, a thousand years ago when I worked at the Fort Smith Chamber. That's how long ago that's been. But um, he died in 1997 at the age of 57. Now, I remember when passed away that seemed like you know an advanced age but it's not mm-hmm. that advanced now but anyway uh this award the jack white leadership award is a tribute to both jack and it uh, acknowledges the leadership in the fortunate region it's i think it's probably the top um community leadership award in the region so tim allen got it and he got it primarily for his just being a bulldog he was uh, I wouldn't call him the leader, but he was part of the lead group that landed the um, foreign military sales, the foreign pilot training center hmm. in Fort Smith. And um, I think, again, he was such a bulldog on that effort that I think this award is just to say, hey, good job, thanks, uh, keep it up kind of thing. All right. All of these and other stories can be found at talkbusiness.net. Michael Tilley, thanks as always. We'll talk again when... Next Friday, spoiler alert, it'll be uh, July 21st. Okay. I'll I'll try to be a little more familiar with the calendar. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. All right. Later. I'm Ozarks at Large reporter Anna Pope, and I wanted to thank everyone who donated to KUAF during the latest donation drive. Without your help, the Ozarks at Large news team would not have the equipment needed to capture interviews, write scripts, or edit stories. Thanks for making our work and everything else you get from KUAF possible. Thank you to everybody who contributes to Public Radio, KUAF, and Ozarks at Large. We really would not be here without you. The University of Arkansas Museum will host a popular collections open house Saturday, July 29th at the Arkansas Archaeological Survey Building on North Hatch Avenue in Fayetteville. Items you can see include dinosaurs, meteorites, ancient Roman coins, and early computers. It's open to everyone, 
but the open house also a great chance for K through 12 educators to learn more about the museum's resources. And other museums from the area will be on hand too, including the Arkansas Air and Military Museum, Arkansas Ar- Archaeological Survey, Washington County Historical Society, the Scott Family Museum, and the UARC Space Hogs. The open house is July 29th from 5 until 8:30 p.m. Then at 8:30 that night an outdoor animated dinosaur movie. You can find out more information at uamuseum.uark.edu, then click on the events tab. And still to come on our show this hour, after nearly six years, we catch up with the band Dial Up. They're ready to make their debut on the iconic Canes Ballroom stage next weekend. Funny, we, we had been reaching out to them, and we started seeing that some bands that were playing there were coming through Fayetteville as well. And we kind of realized, you know, we're selling as good or better than some of those bands coming through. So we reached out to them and said, hey, you know, we'd we'd love a shot. We haven't done much in Tulsa, but, you know, if you stick with us, we'll grind it out and we'll work it and we'll build this thing into a, a really big thing like we have in Fayetteville. That's in about 23 minutes on today's Ozarks at Large. Teacher salaries in Arkansas have been the topic of a statewide conversation for some time, but discussion really increased this year as the governor's education legislative package gained approval. Joe Zilonora with our partner station KUAR reports on that continuing dialogue. When Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders talks about the Arkansas Learns Act, she almost always mentions teacher pay. It starts by immediately offering incentives to attract and retain the best brightest teachers to Arkansas. Instead of being 48th in the nation for starting teacher salary, we will now be in the top five. Under the law, new teachers will get $50,000 a year, a far higher base salary than even a year ago, when according to the National Education Association, Arkansas offered an average of $37,000 to first-year teachers. Under LEARNS, educators making $50,000 or more get an additional $2,000 as a bonus. But the law doesn't promise that money for teachers after the upcoming school year. For many people, the law is a trade-off. Because although starting salaries are higher, it eliminates the salary schedule teachers have enjoyed for years. In the past, teachers received yearly salary hikes and more money if they got a master's degree. Learn shifts that responsibility to districts, meaning teachers wanting a raise may be at the mercy of their employers. Democratic state senator and former high school social studies teacher Linda Chesterfield was critical of the bill, saying with these few rules, districts could choose a salary schedule of a dollar a year. Here she is speaking out against the bill in the legislature. Those first-year teachers who don't know how to set up a classroom, who don't know how to engage in classroom discipline, are not going to enjoy the camaraderie they deserve because they're making the same thing somebody taught 30 years to make. And if you think that's not true, You're not dealing with human nature as we know it. Teachers around the state have echoed this, saying the dependability of yearly raises is an incentive to stay in the profession. Chesterfield says for her, being a teacher was something she had to practice. If I just stayed stagnant, I would not have had classroom discipline. 
I deliberately paid extra money so I could get extra hours. I took advantage of professional development learning opportunities. Teachers are not born great, Chesterfield explained, saying they get better as they go. Trevor McGar teaches computer science in Searcy. He's working on the effort to repeal learns and cites teacher pay as one of his biggest problems with the law. Teachers, McGar believes, shouldn't make less than $50,000 a year. He just wants the law to account for professional growth. Between 50 and 60 percent of teachers have a master's degree or more, and we have all this extra training. We have 60 hours of additional training we have to participate in every single year, not to mention most teachers at some point pursue additional uh, college courses to become better teachers. Like many teachers, McGar said he's unsure how Learns is going to play out. For Cabot, an example, uh, the first-year teacher, second-year teacher, third-year, fourth-year, fifth-year, all of them are going to be actually making the exact same amount of money, uh, regardless of the number of years of experience. When asked at a town hall meeting about more experienced teachers potentially making just as much as new ones, Governor Sanders said districts should be responsible for keeping teachers in the job. This is where the flexibility for districts, I think, really matters because she is a highly effective teacher. Her district should be fighting like crazy to keep her in the classroom. The law says the money will come out of the funding matrix set up by the Senate and House Education Committee this year. Under Learns, 80 percent of money allocated to districts per teacher is required to go to paying those teachers' salaries. Little Rock school board members have expressed concern over the new salary plan. At a presentation during a March meeting, board members said the state is funding less than half of teacher raises, meaning the district has to rearrange the money to meet the requirements. Superintendent Dr. Jermall Wright and board member Leanne Wilson were worried about the salary schedule. Before Learns, Little Rock had one of the highest starting teacher salaries for teachers in the state. Board member Allie Noland is suing the state over the law. At a Senate Education Committee meeting in April, the committee chair, Republican Senator Jane English, said the group will hold future meetings to discuss funding public schools in light of learns. In Little Rock, I'm Josie Lenora. This is Ozarks at Large. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders is appointing a former Republican state lawmaker to the Arkansas Board of Education. The governor announced yesterday Ken Bragg will serve on the nine-member board. Speaking at the state capitol, the governor said Bragg would seek to implement her signature education legislation known as Arkansas Learns. He helped us get Learns across the finish line, and now he's back to help implement it across the state. Ken's resume makes him more than qualified to take on this role. He served for a decade as an Arkansas state representative, including on the Education Committee. Bragg voiced his support for more career and technical education, saying parts of the Learns Act resemble legislation he unsuccessfully attempted to pass. I was told at the time this was not possible. We didn't have the flexibility to do that in our curriculum and our time schedules, and so that idea died. Now, 12 years later, 
we have the opportunity to have, have a career path for certain students that want to go in that direction. Bragg served in the legislature until 2019 and most recently worked as a staffer in the governor's office. Board of Education members typically serve seven-year terms. Arkansas Attorney General Tim Griffin is urging the state to expedite his appeal regarding the LEARNS Act. The education reform law had been postponed from implementation by a circuit court judge until August 1st. The postponement is delaying third-party organizations and charter schools from partnering up with struggling school districts such as the Marvell Elaine School District. The state recently took over the district, but the delay with LEARNS is keeping the nonprofit Friendship Education Foundation from taking it over. Despite the delay, Attorney General Griffin and Governor Sarah Sanders said the state can proceed with the act's preparations. Opponents, meanwhile, are pushing for a referendum to repeal it. Northwest Arkansas National Airport traffic continues to grow. XNA reported nearly 98,000 people flew out of the airport in June. That's the most employments in a single month since the airport opened. The number surpasses the previous best month, June 2019, by more than 7 percent. XNA also reports employments year-to-date are up more than 9 percent over 2019, the busiest year-to-date. The Walton Family Foundation is naming a new executive director, Stephanie Cornell, most recently the managing director of the Draper Richards Kaplan Foundation, was announced yesterday as the new director. She holds a B.A. in English and Environmental Studies from Oberlin College, an M.B.A. from Stanford, and was a fellow with Harvard's Advanced Leadership Initiative. The Carroll County Youth Literacy Foundation is marking a milestone. More than 2,000 children enrolled in its branch of Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. The program sends free books to children ages birth to five, no matter the family's income. A celebratory fundraiser will be Thursday at Got a Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. Carroll County Youth Literacy Rotary Foundation Treasurer Peggy Lodowicz says families with children and pets are invited. We thought how much fun it would be to hold a doggy parton costume party at a dollar and a vote with all proceeds going to the books and got a hold brewing uh, 408 west van buren in eureka said hey come to our place between five and seven for craft beers which they give us a small percentage of the pump um, they're wonderful wine ciders and special coffees by just be and taco Twisted Taco created a specific taco called Dolly Parton Tennessee Taco from her cookbook with her coleslaw. All the proceeds coming to us in order to provide more books for our children. The event kicks off with music from DJ Spencer Stover, Dolly Parton Karaoke, and a performance by singer-songwriter Opal Agafier and her mom, Deanna Smith. Proceeds will support the purchase of books mailed once a month to homes. We pay $26 a year per child, or up to $130 for the five years. Now, without Dolly Parton's purchasing power, it would cost us over $230 a year plus postage. We have wonderful partners with all the pre-K schools and the school districts, uh, plus we um, work with the companies to register their employees' children. And last year, we were at 26 different events registering children, the community events, like the ice cream social and the county fair. The international Dolly Parton's Imagination Library began in 1995 and has mailed more than 200 million books. Thursday's event at Got a Hold Brewing in Eureka is from 5 to 7.
The University of Arkansas men's outdoor track team collecting more awards. The team has been named the National Scholar Team of the Year. It's the ninth time the program has received that honor. 24 members of the team were named all-academic, including Jaden Hibbert. Hibbert yesterday received the 2023 Indoor and Outdoor Field Scholar of the Year Award. And another round of thunderstorms could develop across the region overnight. The National Weather Service forecast has a 70% chance of rain tonight in northwest Arkansas, 50% chance of more rain in the Arkansas River Valley. Highs today from 88 to 92. Heat index values for the River Valley possibly reaching 111. Weekend highs are expected to be in the lower to mid-90s across the area. The extended forecast includes highs near 100 by midweek next week. This is Ozarks at Large with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, April Wallace, who is Associate Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Uh, Becca Martin-Brown on vacation? On vacation. Good for her. Good for her. (laughs) Uh, Let's start our conversation with what we're going to find. I'm going to say the paper because I still call every day, even though I have the (laughs) digital edition, I still call it the paper. What do we got? Well, in our town, released today as we're talking, um, is a story on Trail Pilot out of Bentonville. It's this new company that has a free iOS app that gives you audio tours of the trail system in the area. So this is great if you've never been on the trails here, or if you're like me, you get used to the one in your town and you want to go do something somewhere else. So you can put in one earbud and listen to someone tell you turn-by-turn navigation. Really? Things to look out for, um, kind of GPS guidance, and then, like, you know, they're not going to tell you stuff when you're going too fast or you're going around a bend or something. But um, if you're going on a slow uphill climb, they'll tell you, like, how the trail was named or, you know, like, the story behind it or who keeps up with the trail. Is it is it just for the Greenway proper, or does it cover, like, the spurs that come off of the Greenway? Pretty much everything around here. Um, so the new one that they're soon to release, they've been around a few years now, but they're starting to gain some traction. This month they're going to release a slaughter pen um, audio tour for families. Mm-hmm. So if you're like me and you've got kids of various ages, but they all want to ride together, then you can do this, and it'll help you kind of guide you through the experience because slaughter pen there's a lot of advanced writers there and if you look at it it's what they call a spaghetti mess and so (laughs) this keeps you from using maps when you're on the side of the road does this work for people who are using two feet as opposed to two wheels i think so um nothing tells me that you can't um there's a a lot of like distinction between whether you what kind of ride you want. So if you are really looking to just have a very leisurely ride, um, there are certain ones that will take you by more art than others and explain to you the permanent installments on the trail. So it's what you're looking for. I got you. And they're about to expand to other regions, and they hope to other states. So 
All we right. like to feature them in Our Town. That's in Our Town, which is out today. And I also appreciate you saying put in one earbud. One earbud. They recommend for safety. Um, yes. Especially, they said Apple um, earbuds do very well because you can have the transparency feature, still hear what's going on around you. Or if you like to bike a lot, they recommend maybe you get a speaker to put right behind your head. Okay. That's in Our Town. There's also a weekly profile. And you did the profile this week. That's right. Um, this week is on Joel Manning. Um, Joel, I don't know if you remember from last year um, at Fashion Week, gave a rousing speech before yes. 13 transgender, non-binary, and intersex models walked to the stage. Um, so that's how I got interested in Joel at first. But um, Joel just finished his his term as um, president of the Transgender Equality Network and has a really cool story. Um, been through a lot and now has two businesses as a mindfulness meditation coach and also has a day job in HR where they're enacting some changes, helping corporations not just be inclusive with pronouns and names, but you know, put people in departments to make sure that you're truly seen and heard mm-hmm. and that you can have the best experience possible to feel comfortable where you spend so much of your time, um, but also a lot more to come. And and the profile's on in Sunday, mm-hmm. so you can pick that up in paper or on iPad. That's right. We have a replica app, so you can even do it on your phone. Does the replica app work on my phone? It does. I'm just now finding this out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay, so Our Town, the profile on Sunday, but there's also things we can do this weekend. There's so much to do. I'm just going to narrow it down probably right. by town if that's all right with you. Sure. Um, so our music reporter, Monica Hooper, is great at compiling the live music for, for everybody. So credit to her. She does a great job keeping it all straight. Um, if you're in Bentonville, the free Live on the Patio concert series will feature modeling. They're performing 7 p.m. Um, July 14th. And then the next day, same series, Bootleg Royale plays 5 p.m. And that's at Bike Rack Brewing in Bentonville. Then, of course, on July 15th, Brothers Osborne are coming to the Momentary. And as you know, Format Festival announced that they are moving to the Momentary yes. as well. Yes, and I think people in downtown Bentonville are mostly excited about that. Yes, yes. Mostly, mostly is a there good are a few people. qualifier. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I'm excited. Yes. In Fayetteville, we've got the King Cabbage Brass Band, which will play 9 p.m. Friday, July 14th. And the mixtapes will perform 8.30 Saturday, July 15th, both at George's Majestic Lounge. So then this Sunday, we have some more entertainment stories. Okay. In What's Up, you can read about the last production, a raucous musical farce, before APT closes for renovation. That's right. They're going to redo the Victory Theater. The tables are coming out. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm eager to see what it looks like when this is all done. Absolutely. So this show is called It Should Have Been You, and it starts Friday, July 21st at 8 p.m., and it runs through July 30th at the Victory Theater, as you said. Um, You can also get a glimpse of the new Sona season, Mm -hmm. and I'm told it offers a little something old and a little something new. Then you can find out how Arts One Presents brought Sweeney Todd into modern times. And if you like that story, you should come back for profiles the following week because Becca will have a profile on the director. All right. He's a New York guy who grew up here, but he's doing productions in both places. 
Then um, finally we have plans for chamber music on the mountain. That's a story from right. Monica Hooper. Right. And, um, you know, Becca says you're going to need to schedule your week so you don't miss something wonderful. She always says that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It is true. It is true. <laughs> April Wallace is Associate Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. April, always great to see you. Thanks for coming in. You too. Thank you. It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review. I'm Pete Hartman. This week's topics range from puppies to fireflies to cannibalism? We'll get to that later. First, Big Paws of the Ozarks. Remember, that's a foster-based dog rescue program. They pull from overcrowded shelters and try to place them in foster homes. Well, they're hosting an event this Saturday called Puppies on the Pitch. This week, I spoke with BPO's Kayla Mays. We're really excited. This is the first time we are going out to Goat Lab. It is a brewery out in Lowell. Um, and right next door, they have rugby fields. And so the Fayetteville Phoenix Women's Rugby Club is having a scrimmage out there at noon. Spectators are welcome to come out and watch them play. We will have um, dogs and adoptable puppies at the brewery. And it's going to be a really great Saturday. We're looking forward to it. The owner of Goat Lab has also kindly offered to cover half of all adoption costs for the day. So um, our adoption fees will be cut in half for that day. We're going to have a lot of great dogs out there for people to come take a look at. Kayla Mays with Big Paws of the Ozarks. For more on tomorrow's Puppies on the Pitch event, go online. That's bigpawsozarks.org. Also happening tomorrow, the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks Firefly Fling Festival. Lane Berry with the BGO says this event is always a fan favorite. This event is... Uh, meant to kind of get your creative and sort of kid at heart side out and to really see the magic of the outdoors. Well, I'll be dressed up. You're encouraged to embrace the spirit of the event, dress up as a fairy, pirate, superhero, butterfly, any other kind of magical being and just, yeah, l l let yourself have fun. The fireflies are out. They're out they there. They are. They are. We're excited. Yeah. It, it's a unique event since it's from 5 to 10, so it'll be nice as the sun sets, especially since it's been so hot outside. It could be a good opportunity to have a cool activity to do with your family and friends. We'll have community booths with um, interactive activities. We'll have food trucks and, like, treat stands. You can get your face painted, henna tattoo, hair tinsel, temporary tattoos. We'll have real-life mermaids, fairies, and pirates. You can make a, your own little fairy house with some natural materials from the garden. There'll be an obstacle course, live music, and then we're going to finish off the night with fire dancing and a laser light show. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Lane Berry with the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks. For more on tomorrow's Firefly Fling Festival, bgozarks.org. Arts One Presents in Springdale is gearing up for a run of the play Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Arts One Presents is the continuation of Arts Center of the Ozarks, which operated in Springdale for over 50 years. Here's Ann Jackson, Executive Director. We're an organization that has evolved, and we've evolved into Arts One Presents, um, and we're doing theater all over Northwest Arkansas now. We're engaging with um, a lot of creatives, and we're also doing um, visual arts projects with local artists uh, as well. So we are dipping our toes not only in community theater, that is um, what people have known us for, and we still um, very much do community theater, but we also take it to a lot of next levels now. And um, we love working with local artists to do big public art. 
Coleman Ray Clark, director of Displays the upcoming performance of Sweeney Todd, has lived in New York City for the past seven years, working on and off Broadway on a number of projects. He's back this summer to direct this show. I've loved getting to see how the arts community around Northwest Arkansas has really grown since I um, left, and it's still such a big part of who I am, so it's good to be back here. The old um, Arts Center the Ozarks is one of the first stages that I ever nice. stepped foot on. So now to be back with Arts One Presents, directing now, it's a really special full circle moment for me. I asked Coleman, even with the subject matter, if it was a fun performance to direct. Well, it is a fun performance. You know, a lot of people, if you know anything about Sweeney Todd, you probably know something about it being a horror musical or a bit of a slasher musical, as people say. Um, but it's also really full of heart, and it's got a lot of great comedy. I think one of the best parts of it is that it represents all facets of our human life, oh. and it, it is examining some of the most horrific parts of our life, but it's doing that in order to help us find ways as a community to grow and come together after big, sort of horrific events. Sweeney Todd begins its run at Arts One Presents July 20th. For more, artsonepresents.org. Coming up next week on the Community Spotlight, we'll focus the beam on the NWA Book Swap, an event coming up in September, but early bird tickets are available now. The Illinois River Watershed Partnership is excited for this August's Bats and Bluegrass event. We'll hear from them. And the NWA School for Dogs will team up with Rangers Pantry soon for a benefit, and we'll check in with them as well. The Community Spotlight on KUAF heard every weekday morning during Morning Edition and right here on KUAF's Ozarks at Large. You can send me an email. That's Pete at KUAF.com. And remember... Your voice matters. This is Ozarks at Large. Dial Up, a band specializing in the sounds of the 1990s, takes great pride in their performances, not just the music, but the vibe they create from the stage. Next weekend, a week from tonight, actually, they're hitting a new stage. Well, new for Dial Up. Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa has been devoted to live music for 99 years. This week, we welcome Brad David Cardwell from Dial Up to the Carver Center for Public Radio to learn more about the upcoming gig. But I was also curious what he remembered about the last time we'd been together in the studio. I believe it was December of 2017. 2000, some stuff has happened since then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how, how long had the band been together at that point? Um, a few months. So our first show was in September of 2017, and I came on the show because we were really excited. We got our first show at George's on Dixon Street, and Arkansas Tourism happened to be shooting a commercial there that night, and I thought you might be interested in that. So, And I was. Now we're talking, and I'm sorry it's taken us almost six years to do this again, because what's happening now? Now we are excited to say that we have a show upcoming on July 21st at Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa. All right. Kane's has been around for a long time. Yes. Historic. Yes. You, you've been there. Yes. So, oh, yes. Yeah. You walk in, you see pictures of Bob Wills and uh, all these legends. How did this show come about? Um, yeah, we don't really know. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's just funny. We we had been reaching out to them, and we started seeing that some bands that were playing there were coming through Fayetteville as well. 
And we kind of realized, you know, we're selling as good or better than some of those bands coming through. So we reached out to them and said, hey, you know, we'd, we'd love a shot. We haven't done much in Tulsa, but, you know, if you stick with us, we'll grind it out and we'll work it and we'll build this thing into a, a really big thing like we have in Fayetteville. So, All right. So they said yes. Said yes, yeah. The 21st. Yes. Uh, look, on one hand, you say all venues are the same. You put on a good show no matter where you are. But it's Canes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we like this thing, we're a nineties tribute band, mm-hmm. cover band, and cover bands are a dime a dozen, right? So we have been really careful over the course of the history of our band to notch it up any way that we can. And so for us what that means is just being absolutely obsessed about creating like not just a show or not just playing songs that everyone knows, but creating like a full in depth experience for everyone. And that's what's kind of allowed us to have traction i think and to keep growing into what we have and it's starting to translate it's really gratifying to see that you know venues like canes are willing to work with us now so it's it's something we're doing something right so all right our first conversation band was four months old what were you thinking at the time we'd still be together in six years let's see how long this lasts um honestly in 2017, we just thought it would be really fun to play these songs that we love and to do it in a really professional, impactful way. Um, we had no idea that it would take off like it did. I mean, we were, we played the front room in Georgia's, and there were from that show that we talked about. There were 73 people that came on a Wednesday night at like 10 o'clock. That's that's how Brian always does it. it runs you through the ringer a little bit, but uh, you know it's seventy three and we were stoked. And then you know two years after that we were selling out the back room. So it's just you know we're just really humbled and honored that people um, enjoy what we do because we definitely love what we do. So the nineties are a bit further away from us now than when you started. Do you see the same people coming, or do you see some people that maybe? Well, gosh, you could have people who weren't even born in the 90s showing up and legally buying a beer now, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, that's what's kind of something we didn't expect with the band is how broad our our scope would be because we found that, like, our main demographic is between, you know, 25 and 45 years old. And that's a, I mean, that's a 20-year gap. So we find people that either grew up on 90s music as kids like us in the band Mm -hmm. Or you had just graduated high school or you were in college or you were a young adult. So there's a long uh, span of people that really connect with the decade. This is a Saturday night show? Friday night. Friday night. Friday night show. Um, You know, if you're in northwest Arkansas, it's almost literally a straight shot. To Canes. Yeah, it's an, it's an hour and a half away. Um, we would love everyone from Fayetteville to load up and go see us. You know, we would love the support out there. And, I mean, it's Canes Ballroom, so it's a great historic venue, and you're going to have a great time. And we're definitely going to be giving it our all to deliver in a way that, you know, only dial-up knows how to do. Putting up posters in Tulsa? How do, I mean, when you're promoting a show, not oh, that far away, but a— you know. we, we run a lot of targeted digital ads, so that's kind of what we're doing. So we have some promo videos and stuff like that, and it's it's been getting outstanding response so far, so we're really excited. Someone just gave away the fact that he was a kid of the 70s. Are you putting up <laughs> posters? I'm imagining posters <laughs> on telephone poles. No. We, we do send um, uh, all of our uh, print uh, artwork as well, and sometimes they do choose to print them out in posters and hang them up in stuff places too. But, yeah, the landscape has definitely shifted a little bit as far as show promotion. Targeted digital ads. That's probably yeah. the smarter way to go. <laughs> Very good. All right. Don't give anything away you don't want to, but have you thought about 
the first few songs? Do you have the set list? We do. Um, we're working through that right now. Um, like I said, we're we're obsessive about all layers of what we do, so we really try to make sure we curate the set list in a way that flows and um, you know the songs work together uh, to really create a cohesive experience. Um, I don't know if I can give away our opening song, but it's definitely one that. So, like every show, every song that we play at a show everyone's going to know every word to it mm-hmm. and it never gets old and it's great. And, and so we're really excited to bring that again. So are you conscious of a, of a, of a thin line between obsessive and still having fun? Cause you keep saying we're obsessive about making this a great experience. We're obsessive about being a great band. Yeah. So we kind of, when we but start I mean for y'all, yes. Yeah. yeah. When we started the band, we kind of had some parameters that we needed to make sure that we held true to while we were doing it. Um, and one of those parameters was, hey, it's got to be fun or we're not going to do it. You know, we don't we're not looking for like another job to slave over. So bottom line is we wouldn't be out there doing this if it just wasn't one of the best things in our lives. So. All right. First time we talked, it was days away from George's. Now we're talking. It's, you know, a few days away from Kane's. Next time we talk, you're going to be a few days from where? Um, so we'll be coming back to Fayetteville in October. Um, we're doing our big yearly Halloween show at JJ's Live, so we'll be excited to do that. And uh, that's always just a big dog and pony show, so we're super excited for it. And I guess you'll come back when the band's ready to play, what, the Fillmore in San Francisco? That'll be <laughs> yeah, the next trajectory. That's, yeah, that's next. Yeah, we've got to send some emails still. <laughs> Congratulations on, on not just surviving but thriving, and uh, let's stay in touch. Thank you so much, Kyle. appreciate you having me on. Brad David Cardwell is with the band Dial-Up. Their first time at Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa is one week from tonight. This weekend on the Vinyl Hour, Kenny Kemp stops by to talk about summer hits of the mid-2000s. It's summer of the Obama years when we had gotten past 9-11 and made it past Hurricane Katrina. It was a resurgence of dancey pop music and moving away from the pop punk music. That's this Saturday at 5 on KUAF. Our partners, the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History, are releasing their latest long-form interview with a prominent Arkansan, a two-part, nearly four-hour interview with retired four-star general and former NATO Supreme Allied Commander Wesley Clark, can be viewed at the center's website. The interview covers Clark's time in Arkansas, he was born in Little Rock, as well as his career. The website, priorcenter.uark.edu. Every day, we're surrounded by opportunities to give ourselves little jolts of pleasure through shopping, gaming, and gambling. And of course, the smartphone is essentially the equivalent of the hypodermic syringe delivering digital dopamine 24-7 for our wired generation. How to stay strong in a world teeming with temptations. This week on Hidden Brain from NPR. Hidden Brain, tomorrow afternoon at 3, then again Sunday morning at 6. You can listen on 91.3 KUAF or by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. Monday on our show, a new transitional housing program for veterans based in Bentonville. I think one of the other things that we're seeing more recently is a lot of our service members were expecting tax returns or our veterans were expecting tax returns that were not as much this year as they've received in the past. Daniel Carruth's report on Mondays, Ozarks at Large at noon and 7. On KUAF, you can also listen with the Ozarks at Large podcast. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. A Little Rock native became a pioneering Christian broadcaster. 
the son of Pentecostal evangelist Rex Hombard was born in 1919. When he was 13, he saw a circus tent filled with crowds in Hot Springs and decided he wanted to attract such groups to hear the gospel. He began a local radio show and by the 1940s had a nationally broadcast program. Moving to Ohio in 1952, he started a weekly television broadcast. Six years later, he completed his $2.1 million Cathedral of Tomorrow, which included television equipment and seating for 5,400 people. More than 1,500 stations in 91 languages broadcasted Sunday services in the 1970s, and musical guests included Mahalia Jackson, Andre Crouch, and Johnny and June Cash. Elvis Presley was a fan, and Humbard preached at his funeral. His program ran for 30 years, ending in 1982. Humbard sold the Cathedral of Tomorrow in 1994 and died in 2007. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. KUAF's new listening lab continues to collect conversations and ideas. Made possible through a grant from the Walmart Foundation, the Listening Lab is a comfortable space just off the lobby here at the Carver Center for Public Radio, designed to counter the perceived problem that the communities in our region are more disparate than similar. And the lab can also be mobile, like it was late last month when the Listening Lab coordinator, Emerson Alexander, and KUAF's general manager, Lee Wood, traveled to the Starshine Summit hosted by the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation. It took place for a full day in Little Rock. It was devoted to the power of narrative and storytelling and storytelling's effect on real life. One of the guests in the lab was Patricia Ashenti. Well, I am um, the founder and CEO of a nonprofit organization, uh, Delta Circles, which is located in Helena, Arkansas. And I am very interested in, in learning more about storytelling because I understand the importance of telling your own story. Mm-hmm. And really, when, you, when I think about um, the Arkansas Delta, and I know that oftentimes other people in the state or in the country already have an idea of what our story is. Right. I just, I just believe that um, we have a very unique story to tell. And I want to be a champion in helping my community to tell that story better. So when I saw this opportunity, it was very attractive to me. Nice. And the story, we talked a little bit before we uh, started recording earlier today about the, the unique story of the Delta. And you're right that there's kind of, I think there's a narrative that a lot of people know about it but that it's so much richer and so much more important, I think, to the entire culture of our country. Absolutely. And, you know, with me um, having grown up in the Delta, I know that um, sometimes people have issues just like we all do. Yeah. And you feel like I am who I am because of these issues. I also believe that there are many people who are from the Delta, live in the Delta, that are thriving and that are giving back to their communities in just amazing ways. And I think that they believe, as I do, that it's because they were raised in the Delta. Yes. And I really think that um, they understand the value of the culture, of um, that hard-working culture, that problem-solving culture, you know, that culture to make things work. Yes. And, and so I just think that oftentimes those stories are not told. Yes, ma'am. And I think that there should be platforms for that to happen. 
And um, as I said, this is, has been very inspiring to me because one of the things I learned today is the importance of integrating your own story in whatever that narrative is that you want mm -hmm. to see happen. And so it just, it really encourages me to, to help create that platform yeah, for the awesome. community. So I was going to ask you, what do you think you're going to take from today into your work? But it sounds like that's I, a large part of it. Yes, I'm going to take um, the connections that I made, the other storytellers that I have met here, and I'm going to be contacting them. And um, just really asking for their expertise to help our community to really um, show that, that we can thrive and to be able to use storytelling to help us to do that. Patricia Shenty, the founder of Delta Circles, talking with Lee Wood at the Starshine Summit in Little Rock last month. A conversation recorded with KUAF's mobile listening lab. You can participate in our listening lab as well, or just come by to check out the permanent one at the Carver Center for Public Radio. More information available, as well as some great videos of previous conversations, at listeninglabkuaf.com. Tomorrow night, you can listen to some great music, part of Family Night on the Kingston Square. There are outdoor games as well, along with the live music from Will Schuster, Buddy Shoot, and Mark McGee. Activities begin at 5 tomorrow evening with burger meals available for purchase. Music begins at 7. Music on the Square, sponsored by the Friends of the Kingston Library in celebration of the library's 40th anniversary. For more information, klibrary.org. That's the letter K, library.org. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Alma, and Witter. Contributors to our Friday show included Josie Lenora, Pete Hartman, Michael Tilley, April Wallace, Lee Wood, Emerson Alexander, Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich provided additional reporting and additional help today also provided by the newsroom at KUAR, Public Radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. Our membership director at KUAF, Brett Ratliff, our Underwriting director is Ryan Versi. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. I'm back with you Sunday morning at 9 with the next edition of Weekend Ozarks at Large. Monday at noon, we'll start a brand new week of daily editions of our program. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Have a safe and great weekend. Opera in the Ozarks presents its 72nd summer season now through July 21st at Inspiration Point in Eureka Springs. Featuring 40 premier vocalists from across the nation performing three fully staged operas, including Donizetti's Elixir of Love, Copeland's The Tender Land, and Offenbach's Orpheus in the Underworld. Tickets and season schedule at opera.org. The Momentary in Bentonville invites guests to the world premiere of Die No Die Arkansas by artist Maddie Davis. Presented nightly from August 4th through the 6th, each evening features six artists performing dynamic dances along intersecting routes throughout the Momentary grounds. Tickets on sale now at themomentary.org.